Previously on Into the Aether. Steven and Brendan made predictions about the future of the Battle Royale genre during Electronic 3 2018. A weird thing about E3 this year was going into it, everyone was like, oh, this is going to be the year where every single game gets a Battle Royale mode. And like, personally, weirdly, that's actually something that I was looking forward to. I just wanted to see how all these different IPs were going to try and like force Battle Royale in. Like, that seems like a fun, weird thing to me. I don't want to knock Battle Royale as a genre. It just doesn't appeal to me personally. So PUBG and Fortnite are basically the same idea. Not to knock them too hard, but like both of them are kind of buggy and like not super polished. So what I'm really interested in is seeing really huge teams like DICE and like uh, Treyarch like make Battlefield and Call of Duty games with that really, really stellar gunplay and, and convert that to Battle Royale somehow. Like I think that that would be really interesting. Stay tuned for this episode this week on Into the Aether. I am the Jump Master. I am 300 Crabs. Hello and welcome to Into the Aether. It's a low-key video game podcast. My name is Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. Brendan, you've been very excited to talk about a game that I have not played, that you have played. It's called Apex Legends. It's called Apex Legends. I think it's worth noting that uh, we did an entire episode about Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2, and then an entire episode about Kingdom Hearts 3, just kind of like talking about the 13-year legacy of the wait for Kingdom Hearts 3, how excited we were to play it, and and finally got the game and i don't know when we recorded last week's episode i was maybe halfway in and then apex legends came out and i have not turned on kingdom hearts since except for the one hour when apex legends uh servers went down so i could start the pirates of the caribbean world which was a hot nightmare but anyway I mean, the the hype for Pirates 3 was almost on par with Kingdom Hearts 3. So, yes, you know. I did text you to to mention why they picked Kingdom, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean 3 for that game, which, you know, that was on our minds, I think, from E3. We were trying to figure out why they would pick Pirates 3. Um, yeah. The answer is that Davy Jones cut out his own heart and put it in a box and Organization 13 wants to know how Davy Jones is still alive, even though he doesn't have a heart. Zemris <laughs> is like, oh, how do you get that good, Davy? <laughs> yeah. So they're trying to find the the chest. They're trying to find Davy Jones lockbox. See, I just assumed it was because like that was the first world they made in 2007. That's also then, what I thought. Yeah. 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 But it turns out there was an actual reason for it. Mystery solved. There's also a moment when Jack Sparrow is like, this isn't the real me, and then turns into a hundred crabs made of light <laughs> and then falls apart in front of you and then goes into the ocean. <laughs> and it was like, because it comes out of nowhere. It's like, first of all, spoiler alert. Second of all, I need to see this with my own eyes. I'm now going to play more of that game. Holy yeah, shit. It's unreal. I played that world for about an hour and a half before I found a save point. It was all cutscenes uh. and boss fights, except for one moment when I had to collect 300 crabs. Were, were those the crabs that Jack Sparrow devolved into? Possibly. I'm not sure. Why I was collecting the crabs is, is up in the air. If you found out that you were not your real self and then exploded into a hundred animals, what do you think they would be? What would mm. be like your 
nightmare patronus in would they case. have to be small enough to fit inside me or can i just pick like any animal? i mean if you want to do 100 bears go for it <laughs> i think that'd be kind of funny i think it would be 100 sloths oh that's good i like that what about you i think i would be like just a bunch of rats like just like, <laughs> just like <laughs> that then their tails would intertwine and then it would be a kingdom hearts boss you know with like operatic music it's called the rat king when like a bunch of rats get like their tails like get like knotted and intertwined and then it's just this like giant writhing mess yeah i love that i don't know why but yeah. it's disgusting and also very like scary and cool and like it, a bloodborne way yeah it's very good why isn't there a Ratatouille Rat King Keyblade? Kingdom Hearts 3? I don't know. Maybe there is. Maybe if you do enough recipes, you get a Ratatouille He's Keyblade. He's like, here are all my friends intertwined for you in a sword. <laughs> Just a, Ew, a Remy. creepy, writhing mass of furry gray flesh in the shape of a Keyblade. Well, that was my screen name, so. Anyway, it's long, it's Apex Legends. Well, anyway, uh, the we didn't even get to the E3 point. Oh, I'm always a wink and a nod away from talking about Rat King, so my apologies. <laughs> That's um, what the people come here for. I don't think they want us to talk about video games at all. If you want us to talk about video games, please tweet at us. And if you don't, that is kind of the irony of this whole series. Anyway, you're, you were saying. <laughs> yes. Um, anyway, Apex Legends came out. It's by Respawn Entertainment, who is best known for Titanfall, Titanfall 2. Um, that team originally made call of duty modern warfare 4 so like oh wow i didn't know that yeah they they made that game and then split off from activision i believe it was and Mm -hmm. uh started to respawn so they could make titanfall because they were like this series is going in a bad direction and we want to keep making like really strong first person shooters that are fun and and kind of arcadey um and that's where titanfall came from which is rad so this game got announced on the Wednesday that we released our Kingdom Hearts 3 episode, not announced, sorry, was shown to people for the first time behind closed doors the Wednesday we released our Kingdom Hearts 3 episode. Um, it was shown to press, press flew out, they got an invitation that was just like, hey, Respawn Entertainment has a new game, we want you to come see it and play it for a couple hours. So they went and they played it, and then the next day, Respawn Entertainment invited a bunch of uh, Twitch streamers and like influencers to go play it behind closed doors telling them the same embargo you can't talk about this until monday and of course it leaked immediately as soon as all the influencers went to go see it (laughs) (laughs) the wrong crowd to tell to keep a secret yeah so Uh. essentially what happened was the leak that came out of those influencers was respawn is making a new game it's set in the titanfall universe but it's not titanfall it doesn't have titans or wall running or grappling or like any of the movement options that you like from titanfall uh and it's a free-to-play battle royale uh with loot boxes game and basically the internet was like that's a fucking nightmare because it's ea publishing it also it's like okay that's like that's like the that's literally like george clooney in the middle of the eye of the storm (laughs) like (laughs) yeah the seven crystals to destroy the universe are ea (laughs) free-to-play battle royale loot box and uh, i guess like i don't know by respawn without titans yeah so immediately the internet was kind of up in arms but it was still like a little bit up in the air what it actually was and i think there was like a kind of mix of negativity because of what had been leaked and also like anticipation for the actual announcement because everybody heard that it was uh going to be announced like for real on monday um so on monday they had a reveal stream it was like 20 minutes long they like showed off the game 
and it looks really fun. Again, didn't have Titans or whatever. It's like a hero based uh, Overwatch style game where you're picking what they call legends hence Apex Legends. Um, you're picking your legends and they have uh, all the same movement abilities for the most part, except they all have um, abilities on top of that. So mm. they all have passive abilities, active abilities and ultimates kind of like Overwatch. So there is one guy, he's a robot and he has a grappling hook, like the Titanfall grappling hook. Um, and he can, his ultimate is like a zip line that you can just kind of put down wherever you want. So you can zip across the map. Um, there's another one who like travels through like portal esque portals that you can open up wherever you want, things like that. So like there is a layer of added movement on top of the base standard stuff, like sliding around and running and whatever. But then at the end of the stream, they announced that this game is out literally right now. Like you can download it at this exact moment oh, wow. and it's not in alpha or beta or anything like it is done we've play tested it enough it is out right now so i was at work when i heard about this um and thank god with the playstation you can just go onto i think it's like store.playstation.com and like set stuff to download on your ps4 while you're not home um so by the time i got home it was like fully downloaded i could just hop on um i'm a huge fan of the titanfall franchise i bought an xbox one to play the first one mm. and then sold my xbox one when i was done with it yeah. uh and then bought another xbox one to play titanfall 2 and then obviously sold my xbox one again yeah we had the canonical funeral for it so yeah. Yes. I bought that game two times. I bought it on Xbox One and PS4. Um, I love Titanfall. And when I first heard about this game without Titans and wall running, I was like, that's kind of disappointing. But at the same time, it's not called Titanfall. They would have called it Titanfall if that shit was going to be in there. You know, right. just because it's set in that universe doesn't mean that it has to be the same game. And honestly, of all the developers that are out there, I trust Respawn to just like make a cool thing more than most. Because mm -hmm. Titanfall 2 was bred from just like in studio testing to see what they could do in the titanfall one engine and they were like wow we just invented some cool shit this could all be a sequel um and then they just kind of packaged up into a sequel and apparently what they were trying to do with titanfall 2 they were like introducing a new game mode where it was let's see the biggest map we can make in our engine okay we made a huge map how many people can we fit in that engine okay we can fit like 60 people total okay let's just run around in titans and wall run and grapple all over the place and see how that feels and like eventually <laughs> paired it back until you get Apex Legends, which they then released as this thing. It is the first time, I think, that a AAA studio has made a Battle Royale game from the ground up. It's not like we're building this and like appending it onto a thing that we were already going to make. It's not like the new Battlefield that like has a Battle Royale mode just because like that's the thing that's in right now. It's not like Call of Duty Blackout, I think it's called, that exists like just because they needed to make a Battle Royale game. I'm sure Activision was like, we got to get in on this, you know? Yeah, yeah. This is built from the ground up to be this and nothing else. Um, and it shows in like every single design decision that was made like it pairs down and 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 iterates on what makes battle royale games so interesting um and honestly like overwatch style hero games i i could go down the list forever uh of, of interesting things in here but do you have any questions before i even start <sighs> i mean it's interesting for me i i, I definitely can uh I sense your like genuine love for this. So I'm excited to check it out. Yeah. And I think that just to, you know, go into my side of it, like I, I don't really play a lot of shooters at all. Right. I don't really play Overwatch occasionally, right? Overwatch occasionally and Splatoon occasionally. Um, yeah. Overwatch by far the most. And I played TF2 back in the day. So like mm -hmm. 
I think that those three games are probably like the shooting games people like me played. Because yeah. like I don't know. Um, I guess I liked the I, I like the variety and the just sort of vibe of Overwatch. Um, yeah, uh, and Splatoon even more so. It's just like very colorful and like not super serious. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think I kind of need in a shooter. Totally. I mean, I, I played like I played Modern Warfare when it came out, and that game like is truly a classic. Um, the Absolutely. first one, yeah. Um, I even liked Black Ops, the the first one. Yeah, uh, that same. was a fun game too. But yeah, I just um, I I don't gravitate towards the genre, so I'm kind of wondering like, okay, like it's cool that this might be like the first true competition for Fortnite, like in existence. <laughs> But I also don't know, like, if that's something that I'm going to like invest in. I definitely want to play with you. I, I talked to you about that before the show, so yeah. we can probably play together and maybe talk about it again next episode. But I don't have any questions. I just sort of am here to listen, and and I'm definitely open to trying out a genre that I normally don't gravitate towards. So. Yeah. So I we talked about it on the show, but over the summer I was playing Fortnite a lot, um, and that was more just because it was like the moment. You know what I mean? Like it came out on sure. Switch and just like everyone was playing it. I, I realized the more I played it, the less I kind of enjoyed the actual gameplay of it. Like mm-hmm. shooting, looting, building up uh, like 15 story buildings to escape someone like that is not fun to me, really. Yeah. The fun that I had in that game was more like exploring the map, um, trying to be stealthy and just like seeing how far you could make it. The kind of human interaction of it, I guess. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, oh my god, there's somebody like super far away. Let me see if I could like either avoid them or maneuver myself around them so I can like get behind them and take them out. Things like that I've always mm-hmm. found interesting. Um, and even when I played that game in like kind of more high intensity whatever like experiences, I would not be building stuff ever. It was more about like how I was maneuvering around people who were building because for some reason, as soon as you shoot someone in Fortnite, they always build the exact same thing. It's like two walls and a ramp. That's like the move for some reason. And like once you start anticipating people do that, it's like, OK, I'm just going to go around you with a shotgun. I'm going to hit you with it. What's interesting about Apex Legends, I think, is that, first of all, there's no building at all. So you don't really have to worry about it. The looting is is kind of brilliantly done where before you even drop you can open up the map and you can see the highest tier loot area, which randomizes every single time. So you can tell like, okay, that area is going to be really hot, but the best stuff is going to be there. Simultaneously, there's another ship flying in from the bottom of the map. That's called the drop ship. It's the loot drop ship. And you can also land on that. And that also has high tier loot on it. So they've already split up the two like terrifying things on the map into two different places. So it's like, Okay, at worst, you're going to get like a couple like esports people landing on one of those two places. And if you go anywhere else, you'll probably be all right, which is really nice to kind of back up and talk about the the um, the overall vibe of it. The characters have a lot more life and, and fun in them than I was expecting, because when you hear like Respawn Entertainment is making like a in Titanfall universe battle royale game. It's like, Oh God, it's going to be like call of duty, like Mountain Dew shit, but it's, it's really not. It's like (laughs) just a bottle of Mountain Dew. Yeah. As one of the characters, like the, the characters are first of all, extremely diverse, like a lot of like queer representation. There's like even a non-binary character in there, which is rad. The robot, the like classic, like wacky robot is is like the good version of a wacky robot where it's not like claptrap from borderlands but like when he shoots someone he goes i killed an enemy and like that it's like just a super fun thing that he says (laughs) yeah 
the characters are like fun and weird and they all have abilities that I think synergize well. None of them feel overpowered in any way, shape or form. Like they're all extremely specific. So like I've been playing as Lifeline, who is the healer. She has a little tiny like health drone that you can drop down every once in a while. And when you build up your ult, your ult just lets you drop a package down from the sky that'll have like maybe some extra armor in it. Um, So you can kind of like help your team kind of prevent themselves from getting killed at any given time are there voice lines that are tied to when they use their ultimate yes because i feel like that's that's a weird meta thing in overwatch where like i can just hear certain lines of dialogue and instinctually know what to do yes like you know whenever you hear nerf this or like uh mm-hmm. whatever junk rat says i can't recall it right now i'm like i gotta move <laughs> yeah yeah exactly um yeah yeah they all, they all have those um which is great so you have all these characters to choose from there's three people in your squad when you start the game it does this thing where it randomizes the order of the three people in your squad. And then the first person chooses their character. And then the second person chooses their character. And then the third person chooses that character. That's good. So you don't get to overwatch territory. It's like, cool. We're on offense. We have a Hanzo. We have a Widowmaker. Exactly. And the rest are Widowmakers. Great. Let's do this, friends. Exactly. And you can't double yeah. up on characters. So while you're in that character select phase, everybody can hover over what character they would prefer if they want, um, Mm. which could kind of like signal to other people to not take them. But even so, if something like I play lifeline most of the time, who is the healer? Yeah, I play healer a lot, too, in Overwatch. Yeah, I usually play as Lucio. Um, Yeah, but uh, if if somebody takes lifeline before me it's fine because like all the characters are interesting in their own ways and it honestly it kind of uh encourages people to branch out in situations sure. where like their yeah, main absolutely. gets picked um so basically everybody that i've been playing with has like a couple people that they'll alternate between depending on who gets picked in what order so you pick one two three whoever's in the third spot gets the role of jump master which is like <clears throat> the best name for anything yeah uh, and absolutely. what that means is when you're in the drop ship in the beginning and you're deciding where you're going to land the jump master has all the power there they decide where you're going to land and when they jump out the other two people in the squad flank them on either side and you control all three of them at one time until you land oh wow uh, at any point they can peel off and do their own thing but i find that most people don't and if you do you basically die immediately because you're alone and you need to have a squad with you uh, to yeah. play this game so once you land it's basically like classic looting shit you're just like going trying to find weapons armor stuff like that they do a great thing in this game that i hated in fortnite where it's like okay i went and found in fortnite the tommy gun but it's white and somebody else has a tommy gun and it's blue and their blue tommy gun beats my white tommy gun because they can do mm. more damage i think that's extremely lame in this game all of the weapons are base level. Like there is no higher tier of weapons that you can get. The only higher tier shit you can get are like attachments. So like a scope that will let you see farther or like a, an extended magazine that will give you more ammo in the clip or something. But all the weapons do the same amount of damage regardless, which I think is awesome. That's great. Yeah. Uh, they still have like the armor thing so you can like get different tiers of armor or whatever. But I find that like the time to kill is is generally pretty low regardless of what tier of armor you have. Um, so that doesn't really like change much. It really ends up being just more like a, are you outmaneuvering? Are you using your abilities better? Um, things like that. You can recharge your shields the same way you can in Fortnite. Um, but either giving yourself more shields or health, like takes a really long time. Like it's an investment, like you have to be in a really safe spot to be able to do that. Or it's about risk mitigation, which is like my favorite thing about roguelikes kind of comes into this, uh, where where if Spelunky is about like deciding, okay, am I going to, 
drop down and try and get this damsel or am i just gonna like bail on it and hope that i don't die in the next world this is basically like okay my my teammate is downed do i try and res them and then heal them or do i try and take out the person that killed them do i have enough time to do that um you find yourself in those moments very frequently uh it's very kinetic in that way that's awesome yeah i'm looking at the uh i'm looking at the characters now as you talked about them i'm happy to see it's not like Definitely an Overwatch influence, but the art style isn't like too derivative. Like it looks like it has a brand of its own. Yeah, absolutely. Which I like. Yeah. Um, it's also more colorful than you would expect. Like it it also again in like the Mountain Dewey aspect, like it seems like it's gonna be Call of Duty Modern Warfare. And when you actually get into the world, it's very kind of like Titanfall was surprisingly like tropical, uh really lush like forest greens and blues, things like that. The deserts are like like a vibrant kind of yellow. <laughs> Uh, I think if them. there is a Mountain Dew character, it's caustic. Maybe that's what the gas he's throwing is. He just has a bunch of like old <laughs> shaken up Mountain Dews. Yeah. Yeah. Caustic's definitely got that vibe to him. Yeah. Um, no, but it looks great. I'm I'm definitely excited to play this with you. And it sounds like, at least based on what you're saying, that you have you have that element of, okay, I guess it is kind of similar to Roguelikes where it's like, okay, this run's going to be different because I'm going to land somewhere new. The situation's going to be different because I don't know who's going to be there and I don't know what I'm going to find. But it sounds like the game is built in a way that all that stuff helps, but it's not the determining factor of if you win. It sounds like it's still largely up to how you play with your team. Yes. Um, which I which I'm way more drawn to than like, you know, I found the Mountain Dew level five ray gun, I win. Right. Um, exactly. I don't know what game is that. I'm not saying that's what Fortnite is, but like that's not what I'm looking for. Well, Fortnite's made that mistake in the past. Like they they yeah. did they did that thing where they had that sword in the game where like they had to apologize for putting the sword in the game like two days later because it was so overpowered. <laughs> Things the like Mountain that. Mountain Dew Excalibur. Um, this game, what they do in those high tier loot areas I was talking about or the dropship or whatever, um, usually in those there will be a yellow gun and it's the only time, like a golden gun, and it's the only time that a gun is actually better than the other ones. Um, but mm. those ones have a limited amount of ammo. Like you can like shoot like three times with it and then you can't reload it or do anything. It's just gone forever. Oh, interesting. So that, again, that's kind of risk like assessment where it's like, when do I use this and why? Yeah. And then I imagine most people just kind of like crack under the pressure and don't use it because they don't know when, you know, that happens to me all the time in games when like I get a really good thing. I'm like, uh, I don't know if this is the right time to use it yet. Like, yeah. You don't really have that foresight until you've played through the game like once. Exactly. I feel like um, that's very interesting. So I haven't even told you my two favorite things about this game. There are two I'm things excited. that I think make this game far and away the best battle royale game that exists on the market right now wow number one is the ability to revive your teammates after they've Mm. died so frequently you'll have a squad of people and as soon as you die like the the uh, muscle memories like i'm just gonna back out of this match and i'm I'm done like i'm just gonna leave Mm. uh in this game when you've been downed you can basically crawl around for a period of time as you bleed out kind of like most battle royale games where like somebody could revive you at some point Um, And again, there's risk mitigation there. And when you come back up, you have no health and whatever. You have to like find health and stuff like that. But after you've done uh, after you're done bleeding out, you basically become like a coffin on the ground, like a like a box of like all your loot and stuff. And it has a little tiny tag on the top and your teammates can pick up that tag and then carry you to a specific point on the map that will allow you to revive them. Oh, wow. You can do it with with both of your teammates. So like if you were the only one left and both of your teammates are down and you like survive the gunfight or whatever, you could pick up both of their tags. Um, and there are these respawn points all over the map and they're single use. So when you go and use one or if like somebody else goes and uses one, that respawn point is gone for the rest of the game. 
So you find yourself like in situations where, okay, I have my teammate and I'm going to revive them, but I have to run literally to the other side of the map to get them, um, which completely changes how you play the game. Uh, and when they respawn, when they revive, if you manage to do so, they have nothing. They respawn as if they just started the game again. Wow. They have no ult power. They have no weapons, armor, whatever. You can go back to your death box and pick up your stuff again if you're like close enough. But that happens so infrequently. Yeah. So that that creates another whole sense of like teamwork where people aren't leaving as soon as they die. They're sticking around to see if they can get revived and make it further into the match, which I think is brilliant. Yeah. Um, and and it just kind of like reinforces the the squad nature of things. And the second thing, and I, I I'm so excited for every game to rip this off. This feels to me kind of like the Shadow of Mordor, like um the like Tears of Orcs kind of situation, like the Orc mm-hmm. Commanders thing, where like as soon as that game came out, everyone was like, when is this going to be in every game? Turns out it was in none. But <laughs> it, it feels like that revelatory. And I, I think this will actually get lifted. There's a system that they have in here called the ping system that basically means you don't need to have a microphone or communicate with your teammates over voice chat ever. There is like no reason to do so. And it makes playing this game solo a fucking dream uh, in a way that like I've never felt in any multiplayer shooter or really any multiplayer game ever like i would never like solo queue into destiny or whatever um Mm -hmm. because because communication is so important in this game you have a ping system and ping is linked to r1 essentially what happens is as you look at things and press r1 there are contextual uh commands that will come out of your character uh your character will say specific things depending on what you're pointing at so if there's an enemy in the distance and you hover over the enemy and you press r1 your character will say there's an enemy over there and everybody will see on their hud that's where the enemy is if there's an open door and you point at the open door and you and you press r1 your character will say somebody's been here they open this door so you kind of know like okay let's be on watch or whatever if you see I don't know, like a shield on the ground or something. You can press it and say, like, like, say you notice that somebody on your team doesn't have any body armor and you see body armor on the ground. You can press it and your person will say, hey, there's body armor here. That person knows I'm going to come here and I'm going to pick this up. You can also do kind of like weirdly different things. So like you could go into your inventory and point at your gun and press R1 and say, like, I need ammo for this thing or point at yourself and you have no health and you can say, I need health packs. Um And if you hold down R1, it brings up this radial wheel that allows you to choose from a group of different things. So like one of them is literally just I'm I'm looking in this direction, just like a heads up that I think something might be happening here and I'm looking over here. And at any point, somebody can uh, hover over whatever you've marked on the map, whether it's like you looking somewhere, whether it's you just pressing somewhere and, and, and saying R1 to like say, I think we should go here and they can hover over your point and then press R1, which means OK. Hmm. So they can like kind of react to everything that you're pointing out um, and vice versa, which I think like in theory is interesting and in practice is like exactly what makes this game perfect. And like the fact that there's no you can't play this game by yourself. It's like only squads of three at any given time. There's no there's no other mode that's like four people or two people or one person that kind of freaked me out initially. But the ping system is so robust and and so contextually aware that i find myself loving playing solo with a whole bunch of randos um because the ping system just allows you to communicate with them i think almost better in a lot of cases than voice chat would yeah i mean i think one of the pain points in overwatch is just that there is like a very minimal version of that you can say like group up and acknowledged or like ultimate ready 
which does help. I mean, cause I, I always turn the chat off. Yes. <laughs> I've learned my Same. lesson yeah. and it sucks because like with overwatch, when I was playing it the most, you know, competitively, I, there's a certain point where you need to communicate as a team. Yeah. Um, and it's just so hard to like every now and then you find nice people, but overall it's like, uh, not great. <laughs> yeah um so that sounds really awesome i i hope you're right i hope that i I can't imagine overwatch wouldn't try to take that as well yeah given its nature as a team-based game the thing about the thing that makes it work so well in apex legends that i think would make it harder to implement in overwatch is that apex legends has a huge map it's gigantic Mm. and overwatch is so tiny that i feel like it would be really difficult to um in in the extremely quick gameplay of that game find a way to press a button to contextually like mark something yeah i always end up dancing by accident half the time too yes so, oh you know. yeah there are no emotes or anything like that in apex legends uh, also you almost had me brendan i'm yeah. out oh are um, you i mean i i think it's i think given the the vibe of this game it wouldn't really fit in so i think it's fine yeah. um uh, i'm excited to play it this sounds really interesting i think this is also probably ironically the it sounds like it's the best entry point to this genre it sounds like it's a lot more intuitive than yeah than fortnite was um yeah so it's interesting because like you you get all of the things that make uh that made call of duty modern warfare interesting and and like strong as an entry into the first person shooter genre same thing with titanfall like the gunplay feels like those games um and in a lot of instances because again it's in the titanfall universe a lot of those guns are straight up the ones from titanfall 2 so like Mm. if you have any understanding of how those worked uh the grenades work the same way the grenades are like the same the the gunplay like the actual combat is like a triple a polished first person shooter on top of a extremely polished battle royale game with these kinds of little quality of life improvements that i think a developer like i don't know whoever uh, i forget the the name of the company that's making PUBG. like i don't think that they would implement this kind of stuff or think to implement this kind of stuff unless somebody like respawn was making it first right because they're just so concerned with going up against fortnite you know which i think is a different game for a different set of people than this is yeah this to me feels like the battle royale game that i would play and i do think the battle royale is like a genre more than it is um a game mode i i i can i think there can be multiple of these at any given time but i don't know how many considering how many players you need to like fill mm. a server you know what i mean yeah it's, it's like two people on a giant island right um, yeah um apex legends is is, is brilliant uh, it's the first time in a long time, uh, maybe like Smash Ultimate excluded, that I like think about the game when I'm not playing it and all I want to do is be playing it at any given time. That's awesome. Uh, um, yeah, it's awesome. It's really good. And it's free. Let's play. Yes. I'll be the weird Mountain Dew gas man. You have to unlock him first. Well, you know, uh, objective taken. Yeah. seven fifty though. You can pay $7.50 and do it not worth it how much you know how much mountain dew i can get for 15 <laughs> probably enough no to idea. make gas canisters that you can use to block <laughs> off a hallway um yeah you definitely this is definitely probably uh another time i once described fortnite as the least everything i'm not looking for <laughs> so um having recognized that doesn't necessarily mean it's bad it's just like not what i gravitate towards yeah neither is this but your pitch has made me really want to check it out so i'm excited to play with you yeah i will say that like so i i've 
won a couple games. I've played a lot of games, but I have won games where we drop uh, as far away from everyone else as possible uh, and play the game as stealthily as possible and use the ping system to like mark people who are super far away, not to shoot at them, but to like just kind of steer clear of them as we get closer and closer to the end um, and eventually win that way. I've won games uh, where, in fact, the last game I played before we started recording was a win where I and my squad of randos, I wasn't playing with anyone I knew, just like went rowdy as fuck. And we were just like rolling up on every single squad we found and just like annihilating them immediately, rezzing each other because I was the healer um, and just like destroying people until we made it to the end. Again, using all of our abilities in conjunction and like synergizing between each other in a way that allowed that to happen, which I think was fascinating. Uh, using ping to like mark ammo and stuff because we knew what other guns everyone on our squad was using. So we could say like, OK, here's what you need to pick up. And then I've also won games in like stupid ways i i actually just i had a match yesterday or two days ago where i was playing as lifeline and i was at the i was the last person in my squad and there was one person in the other squad and and i was under a cave and somebody was above the cave and the ring had closed in such a way where i couldn't leave the cave and the person who was left above me couldn't get down into the cave without going into the ring and starting to take damage so basically, I was just like, I wonder what happens if I stand here until the timer goes out, because I don't think the ring's going to get any smaller. And then the ring started getting smaller to one point, like you literally couldn't move. Like it was like one character could fit in that ring and that was it. And I stood there and then the counter started going down for a minute again. And clearly, because the round wasn't over, the other person was above me standing in that one point also. Uh, and then the ring started closing again until there was no ring. And again, I'm the healer. So I just dropped down a heal bot for myself and continually started refilling my shields over and over and over again while the heal bot just like consistently gave me health until the uh, match was over. And I was like, okay. Wow. Wow. that's it and they just like it was just like i won yeah they just burned until they died and I, I forgot that uh you saying the match uh, the the map closing in which i guess i i should have asked if that was a feature in this one too which makes sense it kind of you know if there's only two people left you don't want to have the whole island to navigate right but it reminded me that this whole genre is kind of inspired by the book and film battle royale because yes. like, that is mm -hmm. part of the story and then i, I was thinking ahead, like what if they made a game out of that I was like, that would be probably too horrific to ever oh if it was do. just straight up battle royale <laughs> yeah, the movie, the that game. would be that would be very problematic for a lot of reasons but uh great book great movie yeah so i would yeah love that i think question mark it's it, the thing is like with at least with the book they are like 14 year old kids it's yes pretty, right it's pretty rough anyway one last point about the vibe of this game that i i can't believe i forgot to mention because it might be my favorite thing about the overall aesthetic is that it is um let's say hunger games adjacent i think uh mm. in that this is like a blood sport this is like a televised event in this world um and because of that as you're making your way around the map there are giant screens that are banners showing like okay this is the team that is currently on top before you start every match there's there's a champion squad and that champion squad is whoever in your server did best in the previous game they played before the one that you're playing right now so there's champions and they'll show up on the screens there's the kill leader whoever has the most at any given time there's like uh the like robot lady announcer that will say things as things happen so like ring closing in one minute like that kind of situation mm. um kill leader annihilated things like that 
So in the universe, in this fictional universe, this is a sport that people in the universe watch. Yes. I like that a lot. It that is, is very Hunger Games. Yeah. And it's awesome. It's done in such an interesting way. And j- the fact that you can see the screens changing at any given time, it, they'll like switch between character banners or just like it'll say Apex Legends on it. It's like, OK, that's the name of the sport also and uh, the game that you're playing. It, it really immerses you in that world, which like I would not expect from a Battle Royale game. Yeah. Have you read Battle Royale or just seen the movie? I've just seen the movie. Um, it's interesting. So I was thinking about sort of the the fictional worlds and all and the game and the book and the movie and like why that sport exists. Yeah. So like I haven't read Hunger Games. I've seen the first movie, but I feel like that is largely kind of a commentary on on pop culture and how this is even like a thing. Like people fighting for food is like a national like show whereas in battle royale in the movie they kind of highlight that this is the older generation not trusting the younger generation yeah um in the book uh spoiler alert for battle royale the book Mm -hmm. it's they they really stress how dystopian that government is in the book and in the end it's revealed that the reason they had this event is to prove that you can't trust anyone except for the government Wow. That even if you make these connections with your friends or whatever, that you, you, you truly can't trust anybody when they're reduced to like their survival instincts. Holy shit. Which is really haunting. And it's especially haunting given that there is kind of a human element playing these games. Yeah, absolutely. I, I hate to add like a weird dark narrative to your enjoyment of this, but no. it's, I always find that really fascinating, especially when it is like you, know, you talk about strategies and, and all that. It's like a uh, similar thing. Uh, God, I hated that game, but Rust had a similar thing where mm-hmm. like uh that was probably the most awful like the most awful experience I've had playing a game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like it's not a bad game, but I was just like this is not again not what I'm looking for is like just to see what humans are are, are going to do when they don't have any restrictions. <laughs> right. I think what's interesting about Apex Legends is that it feels like the most optimistic version of exploring that idea because I find that anytime you're in a squad where somebody decides to peel off and do their own thing. They get fucking destroyed immediately because yeah. the game is balanced in such a way to try and uh, prevent people from doing that mm. at any given time. Being with your squad is better than not. Um, and the ping system allows for communication between people that don't have uh, mics on in a way that kind of like just necessitates it to succeed the games in which i win are the ones in which we use the ping system and revive each other and stay close as much as possible and i think that's awesome because fortnite does not do that really at all uh, yeah and PUBG does not do that at all that's cool i like that uh, i like the emphasis on teamwork i'm sorry to be such a bummer with my like well what's the story no it's important because th- that's what yeah. the other games are trying to elicit that's the exact vibe that those other games want you to feel right like PUBG yeah. is is a horror game more than it is anything else i think yeah because people could be hiding around any given corner and and the audio design i think is probably the best part of PUBG. Uh, in that you can hear footsteps and you can hear when people are crouching and walking around and like shots in the distance, things like that. Apex Legends, because you are communicating with your teammates at any given time. And also, again, the audio design in Apex Legends is unreal, where like you can hear gunfights happening in the distance. You can tell what weapons they have just by hearing them. Yeah. And as you hear fewer guns going off in any given direction, 
you're like, okay, you're, they're removing people from the list. Like they're destroying people. Mm. Um, so, you know, like, okay, m- maybe now is the time to hit in that direction and clean up whatever's left from that firefight. Or if there's a lot going on there and you hear like Gibraltar's AOE, like airstrike situations, like I'm getting the fuck away from there. <laughs> I think there's awesome. a lot to be said for kind of audio clues like that. Yes. Like I think about, I think last of us is a pretty big example of that where like, you hear the the clicking of an infected and you're like, okay, I can't, I can't melee this enemy. I will, I will die. Totally. That game does a great job of both visually and sonically, I guess, teaching you how to fight certain enemies yeah. and like what will work and what can't. And also like using weapons that produce their own noise. Like if you use the bow and arrow, none of the infected are going to hear it because they, they can't hear. I forgot what senses they don't or do have, but yeah, the bow and arrow is the stealthy one. Uh, that's what I remember. <laughs> uh-huh. So Yeah cool man i would definitely check it out um and you should read actually it's a rough read so maybe not but battle royale is a good book it goes into every chapter is from a different character's perspective so like oh kind of like the movie flips around yeah but the main three characters like they keep kind of going back to and then other characters they might just be like a page and then they die Mm. um it's it's really rough i read it in college (laughs) um i don't think i could i don't think i would have the stomach for it now the yeah. movie is like still pretty horrific, but it's like so over the top in some moments that like you kind of dissociate from it. Mm. The book does not give you that luxury. It's just grim. Yeah. Apex Legends. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was worth addressing because like I, the, even the name stems from this, you know? No, totally. I think there were probably games that had this idea before Battle Royale existed as a movie or a book. Um, but yeah worth exploring yes questioning definitely okay break yeah. time <laughs> yes the game is Get free out of here download it yes okay let's take a break let's play soon i'm excited yeah goodbye goodbye hi we're back uh steven i want to talk to you about the anthem beta which i played about an hour and a half to two hours of tell me everything uh i played it immediately after we recorded the last episode i was downloading it while we were recording um and i hopped on uh kind of excited maybe we came away from talking about anthem at e3 like very down on it yeah i mean i so i'm a huge bioware fan i did not play mass effect andromeda i did not have the heart to endure that (laughs) Mm -hmm. um because i heard nothing but kind of divisive things uh but i love dragon age i love mass effect Mm -hmm. um and like i i was a bit nervous about anthem because i'm like okay i would love for this to be bioware's comeback um it looks very 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 destiny-esque yeah um so like i was sort of and that's fine if that's what they truly wanted to do but i think you're talking about this with apex legend it's like you can tell when there's a game that wanted to be made and then there was a game that they felt like they had to make to keep up with you know whatever is Mm -hmm. popular yeah and anthem just to me screamed like this is us keeping up yeah. <laughs> you know and i just i mean i was definitely open to be proven wrong but i i kind of watched that and felt nothing yeah um, at e3 so you've played it now i have played it i i know how you felt about it so <laughs> yeah uh, it is weird that we keep harkening back to the e3 episode um but i guess like this is now when all of the games that we talked about then are coming out we're finally coming out yeah yeah but one of the things we i just re-listened to the e3 episode so i could get some clips for this one but the thing we talked about when talking about anthem was it was weird that that e3 instead of being every game has PUBG or has battle royale in it it became every game is destiny now uh, yeah. because destiny had been out for about 
four to five years and like that's about how long it takes to make a video game so you know here's anthem here's ea's attempt at trying to cash in on the the destiny like always on kind of idea but anyway that's kind of what anthem is it's it's a loot and shoot kind of like quest game where you are in a mech and you're flying around like iron man um and and I don't know, just going and like retrieving things for people. It's like Uber, but for mechs. It's Uber, but for mechs. Exactly. (laughs) There we go. That's the title. Sorry, I had to make that awful joke. (laughs) No, that's that's the episode. I'm bringing up depressing books and making bad jokes. (laughs) I'm here. Well, nobody heard the the horrific joke I made that was so bad we had to start the episode over. (laughs) Yeah, that that like was a yeah. Talk about leaving a match before it starts. (laughs) We can't. We can't keep going with that. Yeah. Um, every once in a while when playing Apex, we'll just say, we're going to be rowdy this round and we'll just like drop in the high tier loot area and just punch people until we all die. It's like, okay, cool. I feel like tenacity must be rewarded at some point in that game. That's you know? true. Cause I feel like I would imagine most people go a more defensive route. Yeah. Um, at least starting out yeah. anyway. Oh yeah. Uh, Anthem. <laughs> assigned to how much Anthem impacted you, we, we immediately changed the subject. Yes. Um, <laughs> I loaded into the Anthem beta. And watched a little cutscene and then immediately got launched into like a town where I was in first person. Um, and it is like the beautifully art directed town that uh, we saw in the E3 stuff. Just like a gorgeous hub world. Uh, and, and I dropped into it and there's like light shooting through the holes in the ceiling and stuff. And there was a person directly in front of me and it said, interact with this person. I was like, okay, they want me to talk to this guy and he's going to tell me how to play this game. And I pressed interact and it said, you can't talk to every NPC in this beta. Please buy the game. (laughs) I was like, oh, all right. That's a weird way to start. (laughs) And eventually started trying to wander around this town and your movement speed is so slow. And the map is like, there's no, you can see waypoints on the map, but not when you're actually playing. Like there's not, a waypoint on the HUD. So it's telling me to go talk to these people so I can start actually playing Anthem. And I couldn't find the NPCs that I needed to talk to because they were all the way across the side of town. Eventually, I made my way over there. Some guy started talking about like, we got to get this like radio equipment or something. I don't really know. I picked up the quest from him, then had to go find my javelin, which is what they call the Titans, had to go find my javelin where I could then uh, switch which javelin I wanted to use and like upgrade it and like change some shit around in there. Um, I didn't. I was just like, let me go with the default and just like see how this game feels and hopped into it, got extremely forced into being in a fire team with other people like they would not let me play solo to like learn how to play the game. They were like, you anthem is better when you're playing with a squad i was like all right if that's what you want i'll play with a bunch of randos and launched into this mission where i essentially had to go find this like door that was underground make my way to that door fight a bunch of enemies um making my way to that door by the way they don't tell you how to play the game there's no like pop-up that like explains how any of the controls or whatever work so i was like trying to figure out how to fly it turns out flying has like a limited amount of fuel so you can't even fly for that long before you have to land and then wait for it to recharge and then get up and then fly again so like the iron man fantasy is immediately decimated like as soon as you figure out how it works <laughs> yeah it's like oh i'm i guess i'm riding the equivalent of a honda civic yes it, it, it feels like that it's like yeah it's <laughs> yes it's like um in 
in in the first Iron Man movie when Tony Stark like tries to fly out of that cave and then immediately crash lands in the sand. Yeah, that's what Anthem feels like at all times. <laughs> oh god. So I make my way to the door, fight some enemies, and it's like you can't go into this door. You have to unlock it, which then required me going to some kind of like military outpost where I fought a bunch of enemies and then had to scan an object. You know, classic like go and hold square until you activate a thing scan the object and they were like this isn't gonna work go to this military outpost and i went and did the exact same thing in a different one they're like this isn't gonna work go to this military outpost i did it a third time they're like we finally got the key and then i went back to the door the door finally unlocked and i went in fought some enemies and then i was forced to do a puzzle with people who were not on voice chat who were fucking up the puzzle over and over and over again because I and the other guy in my squad or one of the other guys in my squad knew how to do the puzzle. It was basically just there were these three um, these like three glyphs that you could press square to change the color of. um, And you just had to do it in a certain it had to be like three specific ones. And I and the other person clearly knew what we were doing because we could see there were like visual clues in the environment that would allow you to do it. But our third guy did not understand it at all and kept flying back and forth between the glyphs, changing them over and over and over again as we, as I and the other guy, were trying to set them to the correct thing. Oh, my God. And this other person was just bashing their head against the wall, fucking it up over and over and over again. (laughs) So we were stuck there for, I'm not even kidding, like 20 whole minutes trying to fight against this other guy who was fucking it up for us like and there's no way to communicate with them because none of them are on voice chat you know and there's no ping system like apex legends has so essentially my experience with anthem was not being able to fly so not getting the iron man thing i wanted uh engaging in combat that did not feel very good uh and then doing a puzzle with a bunch of randoms who couldn't do the puzzle and being prompted to pay to talk to an NPC. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Who, like, can't wait to hear what's on his mind. Yeah. It must be worth it. <laughs> really, really what happens is, like, all of my worst fears about this game kind of came true. Oh, no. Where there's, like, nothing by way of, of any story, so to speak. So, like, the gameplay has to stand on its own, and it does not do that. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's, like, Bioware has proven to be, like, they've always been very story-centric. You know, that's their thing yes. as, a, as a development team. And this game is trying to be sticky enough in its gameplay to get you to come back. And it doesn't do that at all. And like when you get loot at the end of a mission, it's just a huge screen of like 50 things. And I've never played this game before and I don't know what's good and what's not. Um, So so it's just like, okay, why do I have 15 guns on here? Like what? Which one do I want? Which one was I even fucking using during this mission? I I got moss covered shoulder plates. This should be good for me. (laughs) Yes. Um, It gives me point point uh two decimal points there zero one percent uh uh, defense bonus that's good it must be the moss i see i have a uh, i have a gun that looks kind of like a toy um scrap that Ooh, i got plastic i can make a new helmet which looks like buzz lightyear i'm in oh it's kingdom hearts 4 sick i love this game this is great (laughs) yeah it there's just so much to say about why it's problematic the game i will say like the one thing but even this is bad the game is beautiful don't get me wrong the environments are are gorgeous like sure at any given time it's like this spectacle of the world you're exploring is is ridiculous it feels like you're flying through avatar which like say what you will about avatar but like at least that movie was good looking you know um sure but the problem is that all the enemies blend into the background like it's so realistic that it just kind of like Mm. has this disconnect between like looking visually stunning and also being playable the only time when you can see the enemies are when they're like glowing blue dogs that are coming after you besides that they're just like kind of brown 
brown uh, coated people against like a muddy background. Yeah, it, it's and that's kind of a, a lack of good art direction, you know, because I think yeah. like it, it can look beautiful, but if it's not functional and it's visuals, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, uh, I think the glowing example of how to make enemies stand out, I would say is Splatoon. Like every battle is just totally. complementary colors fighting each other. Yeah, <laughs> you know. It's, uh, yeah, brilliant design on that side. I mean, very different vibe, but like you can still have that effect in a more realistic environment. I think Destiny actually does a great job of of having enemies stand out and having uh, palettes in the world that that pop. Um, yeah, totally. There's like a red um, tint on all the enemies that you're fighting when you're in the Crucible and stuff, so you can like kind of right. tell like who's on your side and who's not. Yeah, they do a lot of really great things in that game. I think even Apex Legends, honestly, that game is pretty realistic looking, but you can always tell where an enemy is at any given time, yeah. even when they're 300 kilometers away from you. Like, you can still see them and mark them with the ping system. Yeah, I mean, I I, I, I fear with the repercussion. This game truly is, like, going to be that upon full release. I imagine it won't do very well. Talk about kind of like, you are saying before how Apex Legends just came out like the day it was announced yeah so there wasn't really any time for people to speculate or like to worry or to like get hyped for it whereas anthem has just been constant speculation yeah uh from its inception and even during the giant e3 event where they sat the developers on stage and asked them a bunch of questions about what anthem was we didn't get any answers from them so i really hope that regardless if this game succeeds or not i hope that bioware is still given another shot um yeah i hope that uh and and honestly, if the game doesn't do well, I hope maybe it's a lesson to be like, hey, like let Bioware do what they do well. Like, don't I don't I honestly don't know enough about this game to know like whose idea it was. It could very well have been someone or some people at Bioware being like, we want to do this. But, I'm sure they do. I'm sure like, yeah, th- this idea stemmed from someone at Bioware. It wasn't like EA said you have to make this game. Yeah. Well, in that case, there I might mean, be a know, lot of influence, you know, in the same way. uh Bungie got a lot of influence from Activision and now Bungie is its own solitary company. I think there's a middle ground. I, I don't think developers should do talk about um the, who who are the developers for Apex Legends? What are their names again? Respawn. Respawn. That's a that's a team that makes something that's super successful and they move on. They keep challenging themselves to move on to something different. Yeah. Kind of like at the height of the success of whatever they're working on. Right. I think that's a really cool way to go because I think with Bioware you don't want to force them to make Mass Effect games all the time because mm-hmm. uh, like, no, you know, no one wants them to stay uh, bound by what they've done in the past. But you, you want to take steps forward that maybe challenge what they're working on. And, and uh, we'll see what comes out of them because um, I, I would love to see them kind of come back. We'll see how the new Dragon Age is, I guess. But that's also, you know, a long running series. I guess I guess my blanket point is like you don't want to expect and encourage developers to do the same thing over and over again you also don't want them to stray too far away from what makes them great yeah um so it's like what do you what is kind of the spark within that can drive you forward while you're constantly changing up what the material craft is right i honestly think nintendo is pretty good at that i think that like if you look at a lot of their first party games they always they have missteps here or there but they usually change it up enough but they still retain what makes it great like i think breath of the wild is a pinnacle example of that where like that game there's no denying it's a zelda game even though it is wildly different in every way from the past games yeah and speaking of missteps and like skyward sword they tried to make a completely narrative focused zelda game and it wasn't bad it just like wasn't the best you know like wasn't the best zelda but it was still like a really coherent and great zelda game 
um, just ended up not being what everyone wanted. And they're they're willing to take those chances and explore those ideas and release them as full games. So I hope with I hope with Anthem, it's sort of like, okay, like you also as a consumer have to let developers make mistakes so they can learn from it. Yeah. You know, I don't think you should write someone off from making a game you don't like. Right. So like EA does plenty of stuff that's worthy of of detractors. But like it's also like they they have their hand in so many games that writing them off completely is like kind (laughs) of tough to do. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's a whole other conversation about EA because like, yeah, they are. If there are any like bad guys in in the video game world, they probably are them. Totally. Like th- think about think about what happened during during their uh, E3 presentation with with Battlefront 2, the Star Wars Battlefront 2 like whole situation where they literally had to get on stage and apologize for all the decisions they made in Battlefront 2. Like that's that's yeah. a common thing with EA and I think that's why Apex Legends came out with no hype or anything whatsoever. Like it just came out when it came out. Because an EA published game with loot boxes that's free to play and is battle royale is like a thing that sounds like garbage. Yeah, um, but in practice, awful. fucking rules once you start playing it. And and I think this and Anthem are so interesting to be paired next to one another because what happened with Titanfall 2 was EA released uh, Battlefield 1 and Titanfall 2 back to back and like Titanfall 2 got fucking buried and like did not succeed monetarily. Everybody loved it. People like will praise that game up and down, including me. I bought it two times because I liked it so much. But <laughs> but like Battlefield 1 like ate that game's lunch and people were like, is Respawn going to make it out of that? Like, are they going yeah. to be able to make another game? And is it going to be Titanfall 3? Um, and I think Apex Legends is a risky thing that they released all at once with no hype to kind of avoid exactly the problem that Anthem is having right now. I've played yeah. Anthem before it came out and I'm not going to buy it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's interesting. I feel like we keep running into the theme of like both in, in the gameplay of apex legends and in like development strategies of games like this, of like how many risks do you take? Yeah. I, I don't have an answer. You know, I, I think that it is worth though, as a consumer letting kind of people make mistakes to learn from it. And as a developer to always kind of challenge yourself of like, even if you're making the same series, maybe you know maybe maybe take some drastic steps forward to like get outside of of uh your comfort zone i'll quote david bowie here as a nice bow to everything sure. but there's a great interview with david bowie where he's like he basically says like if you feel comfortable with what you're doing you're probably not in the right field he's like you should always feel like you're just not ready enough to be doing what you're doing because mm. then you're gonna really make like wonderful stuff because you're like it's always that kind of balance of like you feel like you're i think the analogy he's is like you feel like your feet are about to touch the surface as if you're like kind of straddling water mm-hmm. and i think that you know with a grain of salt like that is you don't want to feel like you're not challenging yourself and that you're kind of like, okay, we're just going to do it. We know the process, we know the craft and it becomes like a formula. You always want to feel like you're adding a little bit more each time. Yeah. So David Bowie, thank you for your advice. Thanks David. As always. Thank you, David. <laughs> you remind me of the babe. What babe? The babe with the power. What power? Power voodoo. Voodoo. You do. Do what? Remind me of the babe. Uh, Labyrinth. Anybody? Hey, is this thing on? <laughs> Brendan, we're back, and I have been playing something. Uh, I've been trying to go through. Did that come off kind of shitty? No, it didn't go out shitty. It's my time to talk, Brendan. (laughs) I have Um, been playing something. It's my turn, Brendan. What is, whoa, I've never done that before. Hi, I'm a new voice. I'm kind of, I'm born in the water. I haven't seen the sun yet. Um, (laughs) 
that's uh aqua steven i guess yeah. speaking of aqua i'm playing birth by sleep kingdom hearts prequel steven got norted oh no <laughs> <laughs> i'm just a vessel for steven's heart that was overtaken by darkness <laughs> Whoa, but I used to be friends with you. Yeah, so what? Who cares? I'm a bad guy now. <laughs> Steven's eyes are yellow now. <laughs> what Aqua Steven is trying to say is that he's been playing both by sleep. <laughs> anyway, I've been trying to go through my backlog um, because I have a lot of stuff that I haven't played yet that I would love to experience and talk about. We've been talking about Kingdom Hearts for roughly three years now. Yeah. So this is our third week in a row of Kingdom Hearts content. So I hope you're happy, listeners. I hope you're happy, listeners. I, uh, in the other episode, I mentioned that I'm replaying the first one, really loving it. Double down on the first one being a immortal classic. You played the second one. I played the second one when it came out. I have very fond memories. I'll eventually revisit it. Yeah. But the one in the collection that I have that I was most curious to play was Birth by Sleep because I think second to, or I guess third to one and two, that's the one I hear the most about. Yeah. A lot of people so, think it's the best one from what I yeah, see and in discussions online and talking to people. I can I can honestly really see that. So I'll get into it. Um, but basically, just a brief intro to the game. This was developed in it came out in 2010 um, for the PSP yeah. the system that everyone had. <laughs> and it's a prequel to the first game. It is a it takes place 10 years prior to the events of the first game. Yeah. And I got to say. Uh, I'm I'm really enjoying this one. Um, we ca- came out of our discussion on three, kind of a little divided, both you and I. Yeah, I think three is fun. It's a little bit of a mess, but you know, this series has always kind of been a mess. Like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like it, it's kind of like that's its brand. Is like it's going to be kind of like you know, uh, talk about brave choices. Like it's it's a series that's founded on an idea that shouldn't work that continuously does. Yeah, it's part of the fun to to watch it try yeah. and put its feet on the ground. Yeah, exactly. So, um, but this game, comparing uh, this game to three, like, I think the reason why I've been struggling to get more immersed in the story of three is there isn't really an inciting event in three. You know, you start out with the prologue that you and I discussed is kind of like a misstep for like what makes the series fun. Yeah. Um, And then you get to Toy Story or Tangled and it picks up. But before then, I'm like, okay, well, like, what's the what's kicking off this journey right you know they keep saying Sora lost his power but i don't feel or see that so like yeah why am i even going to toy stories just because like you know they're like oh might as well yeah i don't know if did you get to tangled not yet i haven't actually played since we last talked about it in tangled when you when you land there and you're walking through donald goes why are we even here and Sora goes i don't know and it's like okay <laughs> that's the entirety of kingdom hearts 3 like wrapped up in two lines yeah but um and not that i need a huge reason but like you know the first game kicks off uh your home is destroyed and you're looking for your friends yeah and Sora and Donald are, or excuse me, Donald and Goofy are looking for the king. Oh, so they're doing that. It wasn't good the first time. Why did I bring it back? You were looking for your friends in the first game. Well, the first game has that. And Birth by Sleep has a really strong one where it begins. You're in basically like a Jedi Academy of Keyblade Masters. Yeah, uh, it's uh, Ventus, Aqua and Terra. Mm-hmm. You actually get a really honestly creepy and effective dream of ventus where they say like his heart has been like shattered Mm -hmm. and that someone else is going to fill in the remaining part yeah and you see a cloaked figure kind of holding his body and like no good stuff is happening there yeah so that's a really good setup of like okay this game is opening pretty dark and then you get to the academy where aqua ventus and terra are hanging out ventus is basically 
like very Roxas Sora adjacent um, in every way. Yeah. Purposely. Aqua is the uh, no nonsense mage and Terra is the edgelord. Um, so we have our classic trio. <laughs> uh-huh. Is Goofy the edgelord in Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Have you read his live journal? It's great. <laughs> XXX Gorsh XXX. <laughs> If I could do a Goofy impression, you know the rest of the episode would be Goofy's live journal. Like, that would be... <laughs> I would not be able to leave that bit. Mm-hmm. But basically, it opens with the three of them hanging out. Um, and then they go to the academy. Uh, Master Ericus Is it Arrakis or Ericus? Master Ericus is, is like the head of the academy alongside Master Xehanort, uh, mm-hmm. who's clearly evil. I love... like That's my favorite trope, is the villains who no one... <laughs> That no one knows they're a villain and they're like sitting there with like glowing eyes and a, and a dark robe and they go like perfect. We talked about Lysander on, on the show. Yeah, right? Lysander is the pinnacle example of that. And so, I mean, at least in this one, like Xehanort is introduced in two. So this game is kind of like giving you a backstory of like how he came into power. Yeah. So they know that the player knows that Xehanort is evil, but like right. everyone else should know. Yeah. especially Ericus, who's like grown up with him anyway yeah i remember the first time or when i when i started playing birth by sleep which was many years ago at this point um but i just remember vividly the first moment that you see Zaynort in a cutscene, and i was like why are they attacking him on site why are they letting the bad guy just hang out with them and then it yeah. took me forever <laughs> to realize that also, they didn't know he did, was evil had no idea leonard nimoy the late great leonard nimoy is the voice yeah Zaynort, but uh, so that was nice to see. It kicks off basically Terra and Aqua are up to like there's a test to prove they're ready to be a Keyblade Master. Mm-hmm. Terra fails because he can't mastery, contain. Right? Yeah, yeah, Terra fails because he can't contain the darkness inside him. Ventus is just sort of too young, I think, and Aqua becomes the Keyblade Master. Yes, and then the journey kicks off because Terra like Terra like leaves in a, in a in a huff. Uh, and then I think Ventus and Aqua would basically go looking for him. So it's a similar kind of kick off where you're looking for your friends. The game then divides into three. They let you choose who you play as. Yeah. I really like that. It's a nice change of formula. It also reminds me a lot. There's a moment in um, Final Fantasy VI where your party, uh, you're on, like, on a raft in a river. Yeah. And the raft gets destroyed. And then a Moogle shows up and is like, choose which scenario you want to play first. Mm. There are three kind of branching paths that eventually all come together. Cool. I'm surprised Octopath Traveler just didn't do that. Cause it seemed like that was the whole game. Yeah. Anyway, we talked enough about that game, but lovely, but you know, um, so I chose Aqua because I was like, I've, I've, I've journeyed with someone like Ventus before mm-hmm. the boy that is excited for everything. Yeah. Um, I've played as an edgelord before. Just try something, someone new. Yeah. I like Aqua a lot. I think, <laughs> uh, I forgot the voice actress, but she is like, you could tell like which days in the studio she was excited to do it and which days she was like, <laughs> oh, not really? cause like some scenes are really good. Other teams, other scenes are like, hi, I'm Aqua. Um, do you need help with anything? <clears throat> is this done yet? Are we done recording? No, we're not. Okay. Hiya. <laughs> oh no. Uh, it's, it's good in the moments that matter, but in some scenes it's just kind of funny. Yeah. But overall I like the character. Um, she's the mage. So her combat style is really different from normal. Um, her keyblade doesn't really do much damage at all, but like you get all these different forms. So like, I guess it's actually worth going into the combat, but yeah. Cause you mentioned to me, uh, in chat, I think yesterday or two days ago that you really like the combat in this game and you're surprised that they didn't just use it for three. 
Yeah, I, I do. So the way it works this time is you have like a set number of commands. I call it your command deck. Oh, where yes. You, okay. Yeah, where yeah, you choose right. what moves to basically have on the ready. Um, and that can be like moves where like you throw your keyblade and it stuns enemies and it comes back to you, or spells like cure and fire or items. Yeah. And those moves you have equipped level up and once you level them up all the way they give you passive bonuses that you keep mm-hmm. as you level up you get more and more slots open and you can also combine moves so like i have one move where i like you know jump up in the air and hit them with the keyblade i can combine that with blizzard and suddenly it's like an ice move yeah that's cool so it's really cool and it's a game too and the reason i think three should have taken this is because you start off with a lot but it all feels like up to you. Like I go into a fight knowing what I'm going to have equipped. It's always exciting um, combining them and seeing what new things I'm going to unlock. Yeah. Additionally with Aqua specifically, uh, you have like a command meter where like the more attacks you do, it fills up. And once it fills up all the way, you assume a form that is based on the attacks you've done up until that point. Mm -hmm. So if you do a lot of fire moves, you enter fire form and you're like, you know, doing all these fiery kind of attacks. Um, it's a little thing, but it, it goes a long way. And again, it feels more uh, tangible to your actions as a player. Yeah. So I think three would have benefited from doing a version of that because you still feel like you're this legendary keyblade master, but it's not overwhelming you with options. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't feel overpowered. I'm playing both on proud. Ugh, this, this game, I honestly would recommend playing this game on normal because like, there's some bosses that just one shot you and it's just like, okay, oh, man. like I don't know what I could have done differently, but overall it's been pretty fun and it, and the boss fights in particular feel very tense and exciting. Um, one standout boss was the mask in the mirror in the snow white world. Oh yeah. It, Cause you go into this weird kind of dream setting and it makes copies of itself. But one of them is smiling. So you have to like run over to it and like start attacking it. So mm-hmm. really, really fun. Um, the music is great. There is one misstep where in the Cinderella world, the background music is just bippity boppity boo on repeat. <laughs> and I may not be the same person anymore. Cause like, I, I heard that for so like my roommate actually came out and he's like, you've got to turn that off. Oh my God. <laughs> da, 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 da. Um, so I, I will say uh, I'm kind of going all over the place. This, this game in particular has the strongest sense of melancholy of all of them I've played. It's definitely mm-hmm. the darkest. Yeah. And uh it's and the the thing that adds to it at least with Aqua, Aqua's kind of a pretty grounded character. Um she's fairly serious. She seems to have like, you know, uh, uh, I almost said a, I keep I always feel bad when I say heart in this show, but she seems to have a big heart. She like often helps people she meets. Yeah. She's not like Sora where every second's like, "Huh, another day, right?" she has a job to do. Yeah. But the fact that you don't have any, you, you occasionally will have party members that are like on the planet you're on or on the world you're on, but there's no Donald and goofy following you. It's kind of a very solitary adventure. Yeah. Which I um, honestly liked a lot about my time. With I did it. too. I did too. What's cool as well, which I especially liked is that there's no gummy ship this time. They, they like activate very dragoon in your voice. So when you said the words gummy ship were like palpable, like I felt like I, I felt the wind come from the monitor. They have these like gliders that are on and they go, they enter dragoon esque armor. Mm. Um, dragoon's like a final fantasy class. It clearly yeah. is kind of a nod to that. I love that. I was like, that's like legitimately cool. Yeah. And say, and aquas is very like, cool design yeah so yeah you just fly around the worlds on that i almost wish even though like you know it's just like you go straight to the worlds i do wish there was a bit more flying in space with them 
um there's even a lilo and stitch world where you're like in space yeah and i was like well this would have been a good time to have that but the worlds are pretty short uh which i guess is because since you had to play the game from each character's perspective yeah they don't want you to get burnt out so like everyone has a different you know time on the planet doing different things and as i play as aqua certain characters i meet will mention that they ran into ven or tara and you yeah. know you kind of get the plot indirectly from them which is honestly a really cool thing i i enjoy that kind of fragmented story quite a bit mm-hmm. uh the story is what you expect the dialogue is is funny and 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 all that but it's effective like i think the theme of this game seems to be dreams and to be belief and this is recurring notion that fighting darkness with light is not good enough yeah it's stronger to simply believe that light exists rather than because if you if you fight darkness with with light you're inevitably creating more darkness because people like resent you mm-hmm. which is interesting you know it's, it's simple stuff with kingdom hearts but i like that kind of dilemma of like how do i go about fighting evil yeah and what is stronger is it stronger to rush in with a sword is it stronger to like take more of an indirect approach um so that's thematically interesting and the worlds chosen here seem to be very purposeful like this is strange I, I don't know if it was intended, but because I'm Aqua and because I'm by myself, whenever I go to planets, there's never a moment, because all three of these characters are familiar with traveling the world, so there's not that kind of fish out of water sense in the first game where you're like, whoa, I'm somewhere new, mm-hmm. but they're kind of numb to it almost, and like, Aqua just goes to, to worlds knowing like, okay, I'm probably going to have to help some like weird rodent that talks, <laughs> but like, I'm here for a different reason, Yeah, and all the worlds seem to be, other than Lilo and Stitch and Hercules, which shows up again, all the worlds seem to be very thematically important. You know, there's a heavy emphasis on dreams and all the worlds are about the princesses that are kind of like stuck in an internal state of slumber, like Sleeping Beauty, mm-hmm. uh, Cinderella, not so much, but that is kind of like fantasies coming true. Yeah. And Snow White, uh, obviously, is also kind of cast under a spell of, of appearing dead. Um, so yeah. that is it interesting, is interesting I- that they, they decided to pick those like heavy hitter princess worlds for this PSP spinoff yeah exactly but it, it fits feels the tone very of the story effective. so well that yeah i agree with you it does um yeah the only world i haven't really been into this far ironically is the hercules one it was fun fighting hades again but so there <laughs> i was wondering and i was thinking about this too because you said that there's no final fantasy in kingdom hearts 3 yeah there's no final fantasy characters i think in the beginning they kind of had to put final fantasy characters in to kind of like change up the pace a bit because mm-hmm. there weren't that many like kingdom hearts exclusive characters now now there are a ton, yeah. so they don't really need Final Fantasy anymore in a weird way. But there is one cameo in Birth by Sleep from Zack from Final Fantasy VII, and it is like, no joke, almost as bad as Link in that cartoon where he goes, excuse me, princess. Oh, like, uh, <laughs> Phil and Hercules is like, oh, there's one more there's one more combatant that you have in that. And he's like, hey, I'm Zack. Want to go on a date? <laughs> I was like, this is awful. <laughs> this is poisonous. I hate this. Yeah. Because do you know who Zach is even? I literally just looked him up. I have no idea who he is. Zach is strange because he, I think they put him in because uh, Crisis Core was another PSP Final Fantasy game that is the prequel to Final Fantasy 7. Yeah. So like they wanted to have like a prequel character. Uh, do you mind some Final Fantasy 7 spoilers? No, please for go for it. So this is why I think Cloud is more interesting than he might appear to someone who hasn't played the game. Kind of like Don Draper, he is not really Cloud. 
he his you learn that his backstory is very different than the one he has been kind of sharing throughout the entire game yeah and you learn that there's this guy zach who who died relatively close to the beginning of ff7 of the of the plot of ff7 and cloud basically just assumes his identity in place of him mm-hmm. um and kind of convinces himself that he is him in wow. weird ways interesting so yes yeah, so it is kind of like Mad Men, where like don draper's not really don draper um but like everyone's kind of like I mean, I haven't watched enough Mad Men to know that dynamic, but like it's a similar thing where he's pretending to be someone he's not on top of being a clone. So there's a lot of like existential shit with yeah, that game. Yeah. What's even more disturbing is the people in his life that know he's pretending like Tifa knows the whole game. She's like, I know you're not who you're trying to be. Yeah. And I wish you were the person you were. Interesting. So Zach is really that. So Zach is more of a plot piece than he is like a character. Yeah. Um, I haven't played Crisis Core, so I don't know how he is in that, but. It was very bizarre because Zach is like the reveal of Zach is one of the more like striking moments in FF7 and to have him come in and be like, I can't wait to do splits to prepare for the next match. Woohoo! I'm like, this is so traumatizing. To me. <laughs> <laughs> then he asks Aqua out on a date. I was like, ew, oh, dude. No. Thankfully, she gives him a hard no. So it's like, thank Christ. Yeah. But yeah. Um, other than that jarringly awful scene, I am really enjoying Birth by Sleep. I don't know if I'll play through all the characters and like I'm getting I'm about like nine or ten hours in. Um, so I imagine I'm probably close to the end of Aqua's story. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I imagine you'll do all of them and then they kind of converge. I wonder how long this game is. It's probably like 30 hours, I guess. Yeah, I, no like each. I never got to the end of it. Yeah, I'll probably finish Aqua's story and then see how I feel. But I would really recommend it to any fans of the series that might have missed it. It's a the story is pretty self-contained, so like you get some shout-outs to the first game where like I actually met like baby Kyrie on one of the worlds. Right. Um and Aqua like casts a spell on her. Um so it's a big I moment. think you can yeah, you can enjoy it for those moments. But I think the story is actually pretty self-contained. I don't think it has the the kind of universal magic of the first game where like I think anyone could play the first one and be kind of suckered in. Yeah. I think that this game does depend on like how much you like the series. Um I just agree. because the yeah. worlds are a lot shorter and a lot more, you know, a lot more like surface level. And the gameplay doesn't really change on each world, which I think is a problem with not a problem, but I think it stands out that in one and I guess two to lesser extent, they clearly designed like gameplay elements around the world they all have their own like very unique vibe yeah whereas in birth by sleep it feels more story uh based which i enjoy um so yeah i've been enjoying that i will probably i'm I'm like a little bit sick of kingdom hearts at this point so i'll probably move on <laughs> next week yeah if you're worried this is going to become a kingdom hearts podcast uh, which i'm sure a lot of people would enjoy us doing but yeah i'm glad to check it out birth by sleep i'll probably eventually replay the second one because i remember loving that game yeah but yeah birth by sleep would recommend to a fan of one or two the only um, other one that i would recommend you play um i don't even know if it's on the bundle that we both have or not it might be in the 2.8 bundle <laughs> um good lord but 358 over two um i think does a similar thing where it's like uh, it's more of a prequel to the second kingdom hearts um and has a really fascinating story that i think you would connect with um and i don't really yeah. want to say too much more than that but i think if you're looking for like an actually good story in the kingdom hearts universe <laughs> i think birth by sleep is is uh, almost as close as you can get to that and i think 358 over 2 is like actually an interesting story yeah 
Yeah, I think that is on the collection. I, I don't know if it's just the cutscenes or not, though. So I know, like, Recoded. I put on Recoded for kicks. Woof. That's a rough <laughs> one. <laughs> um, that Recoded establishes that Jimmy Cricket's journal brings things into existence in like a Matrix world. Oh, yes. And that's just the cutscenes. I think the actual games in our collection are one, two, Birth by Sleep and Chain of Memories. I think those are the four that are in there. Uh, yeah, I'm, I actually just Googled 358 over two to see if it was playable on PS4. And the first thing that showed up was a Kotaku article with the headline Kingdom Hearts 358 over two days does not make for an enjoyable film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah like I, I do feel like with the series i'm playing catch up a little bit like i definitely played one and two as they came out but um for that sleep will probably be the last one i play in like for recent in this present reality yeah but would recommend if if you are a fan of the series and you have missed this one it's definitely worth checking out it definitely has a vibe of its own and i think it's a successful prequel in that it, it does make the world more interesting mm-hmm. actually uh, it's not too overly complicated either. So I'm yeah. into it. Cool. So that's uh, steep for PlayStation. No. <laughs> <laughs> Birth by steep. Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep available in a bundle for the PlayStation 4. Yeah. Or if you want to haggle for a PSP on eBay and then buy the original game. Yes. I, I played that game on a do not do this. I played the game on a very heavily modified emulator, which uh, was an interesting experience. Yeah. Yeah, I was about to say it it looks wonderful on the PS4. Yeah. They really did a good job and and all the animations are really good. Um it plays great. It plays like a it plays like a new game, honestly. Yeah. Cool. Cool. And well, that's video games. That's video games. Uh Brendan, I'm very excited to play Apex Legends with you. Um I'm very excited to play Apex Legends as soon as we're done recording. <laughs> Actually, it might be around later tonight if you want to play. Ooh. Um yeah, let's wrap up. Cool. Um as always sincere thank you to all who listen um truly it means quite a bit i brent and i have noticed that like even in recent weeks the 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 response and the like talk about the show has increased pretty dramatically and that's incredible that i i feel humbled every time that happens um this show has been a constant source of joy for me and a pretty rough year honestly not to be too like open about that but um, it's really helped me and I'm really happy that so many of you enjoy listening to us kind of goof around and talk about games with goofy in them. So it means a lot. Uh, and, and that's what I'll say in our wrap up here. Gorsh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Hey, a uh, hard same for me, uh, making the show constant joy. Love it. Thank you to everybody who's listening, who's writing reviews. Um, everybody who's been tweeting at us more recently. Uh, the Twitter account is at into the cast. Yeah, those are all the things I have to say. I, th- I think uh, besides that, like play steep, download Apex Legends, uh, try that game. Yeah. Also, anything coming out that is on your horizon that you're excited about? <laughs> Not Anthem anymore. <laughs> oh, bummer. Um, yeah. Dude, honestly, I have no idea. Like I. I'm so locked into Apex Legends at the moment. Um, I did just find my 3DS while I was cleaning my house recently. So like maybe something on 3DS, but I honestly could not tell you. Um, I would like to get into some more indie stuff. Um, I feel like we've been so heavily focused. We sold out. Yeah, we, we sold out. The two of us have sold out. Yeah, I want to I want to get to get back to our roots. You know, um, I, like what happened to songs like Yellow? You know, like, why can't we just write like that anymore? Why, why do we have to, why do we have to play like Madison Square Garden? We got to get back to our, our Lonesome Crowded West 
Exactly. Roots. We got to get, we can float it on for months and months mm-hmm. and months. Float on is a great song. <laughs> um, I'm excited for an indie game that comes out at the end of the month that I haven't heard much talk about. That is also kind of outside of my oh. normal uh, radar, but there's a game, there's an indie game coming out on the Switch on February 28th and PC. Um, but I'm going to get it on Switch. It's called Ape Out. Oh, right, right, right. Yes. It is extremely violent, but in a very like artistically interesting <laughs> way. So it immediately kind of looks like a Hotline Miami where it's like a top-down perspective. And you play a, a gorilla, I think, who's escaping like I, I i'm what i'm assuming is like an animal research mm-hmm. lab so there's like you know kind of horrible animal cruelty happening the game begins with you just bursting out of your cage and like killing everyone in your way as you try to escape this place <laughs> yeah. um the i don't normally go for games this violent but like all the blood looks more like kind of splashes of paint and there's like a real-time jazz soundtrack that accompanies all your actions totally. and movements so like Whenever you kill someone, there's like a, a symbol clash. Um, the trailer is dope. I think there, there are a couple websites that have like articles about the trailer. Um, it looks awesome and I haven't really seen any buzz for it. I'm definitely going to pick that up and I'm excited to, to play it. Um, if only for the art style and the, and the music, but excited for that. I know in March, uh, secure shadows die oh twice God. comes out. That's the next big game that I'm pumped That's for next month. Um, we- why haven't we heard yeah. anything else Let about me it? Make sure about that because it's in my calendar. Um, but I want to make sure that I am correct because I hate being wrong. I just I can't stand it. <laughs> yeah, March twenty second, twenty nineteen. Wow. Yeah, that's bizarre. I, I, the the minute I saw E three footage, I I put it in my calendar. So that's the next like big release that I'm really excited for. If for people who don't know, that is going to be uh, the new from software games. So the makers of Bloodborne and uh, and. Uh, dark souls um our our friend chris who i've given shouts out uh shout outs to in the past is playing bloodborne for the first time based on our recommendation yeah and he was texting me in real time his response to like playing it which was like by the book experience of playing bloodborne for the first time he was like i don't know this game's for me i almost threw my ps4 out the window and then he's like okay i'm getting it he's like i just beat three bosses i'm in yeah and like that's the number that you need to get through in bloodborne to fully in it truly is i think father Gascoin. absolutely um, that's like that is the point where you'll realize that that game's for you not if it's not for you that's totally fine it's it's truly i got to be in a very specific mood to enjoy that game um but it's interesting because i think that uh from software is a a japanese developer um mizaki's the the main uh creative director behind the series all their games have been very kind of western influenced Mm -hmm. um you know you have the kind of uh HP Lovecraft, a nightmare Charles Dickens of Bloodborne. Um, and then you have sort of the more Western fantasy of, of uh, Dark Souls. I think there's a lot of Japanese influence in, in how the story is told and, and some of the monster designs. But Sekiro is like straight up samurai uh, story. So I'm really excited to see like what they do with, with the more Eastern yeah. setting. So really pumped for that. There's a really, <laughs> anyway, I'm done. I'm done talking about stuff. Yeah, games I'm excited for. <laughs> I want to play. Um, I, I might be getting Battle Chef Brigade for the Switch, which is a game I've been trying to remind myself to pick up for a long time. Um, and it came out at some point. I didn't realize it. And also something that I keep thinking about, and I don't know when it's coming, but I'm waiting with bated breath, is Spelunky 2. And with that, I would like to close on a shout out to a podcast I just found called The Spelunky Show Like, which is a, a, a wonderful podcast that is a bunch of game designers literally just talking about Spelunky 2 every week. Um, I mean, Spelunky every week and sometimes Spelunky 2. 
Um, but I can't believe that that show exists. It feels like it was made for just me. And that's all I have to say about that. Should we actually wrap up now? Yeah, I guess we're also just like obviously excited contractually uh, for Animal Crossing whenever that comes out, um, which I feel like is probably going to be in the spring. So it's not too far away. Hope to yeah. God. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>